Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. We're talking $3,000 per child between the ages of 6 and 17 that will come every single year between the ages of 6 and 17. Oh, if they're under 6, it'll be $3,600. This is the Democrats' new plan, which is not in any way, shape, or form new. This is the plan. What we heard from people like Andrew Yang when they spoke about the idea of what he called the freedom dividend. Well, the freedom dividend is nothing more than the universal basic income. The universal basic income has been a conversation for a good long time in economic circles and in others. And what the UBI was trying to do is it was trying to say that if we were to provide our citizens with X number of dollars per month, they could afford some of the basic needs and therefore they would have more dollars to engage other things. And by doing so, we could stimulate the economy and we could get people into a better place financially. The question of course is, did it work? Does it work? Could it work? Well, let's dig in. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, be sure to like the page. Understand that in all things, government doesn't make money. Government takes money. That's why it's called revenue and not income. That's why the idea of the income tax to me is such an obscenity, because who is the government to get a piece of your earnings? If they want to engage other levels of taxation, I say go for it. But the income tax is a disaster and should immediately be repealed. The universal basic income says, hey, we will cover you. In Finland, January 2017 until December 2018, for those of you playing the home game, that's two years. 2,000 unemployed Finns got a flat payment of $634. It's 560 euros, 490 pounds, 634 US dollars. So the objective was simple. If you knew that you had this money coming in, would you feel better about getting a job, even if it wasn't a full-time job, but rather in the gig economy? Now, I'm a huge fan of the gig economy. The gig economy is when you take a job as a bartender at a wedding for a catering company or whether you work Uber, right? It's a gig. You do freelance photography, it's a gig. I'm a huge fan of the gig, gig economy because the gig economy is what allows people to engage entrepreneurship. And engaging entrepreneurship is the surest way to remind people and show people that leading a free life with as little regulation as possible is the best way to happiness. Is the free, th that freedom leads to happiness and that happiness creates the self-fulfilling prophecy. 
people being able to do what they want because not everybody is looking to be Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg. People just simply want to be able to have control over their own lives. Yeah, this is my job, but I've got this side hustle over here. I make a couple bucks. It's fun. It's more than that. It's a sense of pride. And somewhere they may be looking at it, may be looking at that and saying, I'm going to turn that into a business. That side hustle is going to become the thing. If I just find the right way, if I just work hard enough, if I just get at it, I can make that happen. Being able to do that is remarkable for the mind. Valuable to no end. It's why, as a nation... We have to stop asking ourselves, are we teaching X number of years of a foreign language? And ask ourselves, are we teaching X number of years of home economics? Do kids graduating high school know how to balance a checkbook, regardless of where they're from? Do they understand what the stock market is all about? Do they understand why not to get a credit card? If we aren't teaching kids this, but we're making sure they can conjugate the verb in Spanish, we're doing it wrong. It's simply and proven, I believe, as we see the world, a failed construct. The universal basic income is supposed to help people with those basic expenses so they feel good about doing other things and maybe take advantage of it and get other jobs that allow them to grow. What happened? Less stress. Woo-hoo, I had this money coming in. It took care of us, a lot of stuff. Ooh, that was nice, that was nice. Well, what about a job? Oh, I didn't get a job. You didn't, you didn't get a job? No, I, I didn't find a job. I didn't feel more inspired to get a job, less inspired to get a job. I didn't get a job. But you, you felt better. Oh, yeah, look, I had $634 a month coming in. Whoo, baby. You, we going to keep that going? Uh, oh, it's over? Well, now I feel stress. Why are you making me feel stressed, government of Finland? Huh? It doesn't work. The universal basic income is a theory that does not actually work. It does not bring about a value that it is claimed to bring about. The value that is claimed is that it will allow people to be more comfortable, if you will, take stress off them so they can focus on other things. This was a big argument from Andrew Yang in his presidential run and his worst argument. Because we know in the United States of America we understand in the United States of America that when they have a program that says we're going to give you X and the program doesn't work, we don't cancel the program. No, 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 no. We add on to the program. The problem is we're not using enough money. And when you start giving people free dollars, they will determine that you need to give them more free dollars. And then it won't be just more free dollars. It'll be free dollars based on where you are in the country. It'll be free dollars based on color of skin. It'll be free dollars based on gender. It'll be free dollars based on sexual preference. All of these things. Oh, my gosh, I said sexual preference. You know, that's not allowed anymore. Everybody knows what I meant. Settle down. All the different reasons why someone should get more than this and someone should get more than that. It's simply cannot work also because the money comes from somewhere the money comes from somewhere it is taken it is theft taxation is theft 
and you take this dollar and you give it to somebody else because you think it will do good when it does no good. Let's go back to the House Democrats that want, through the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, Richard Neal, a enhanced child tax credit, which is $3,000. Three thousand dollars per child. We are making the child tax credit more generous, more accessible, and by paying it out monthly, this money is going to be the difference in a roof over someone's head or food on their table. Well, yeah, sure. By the way, you know why you're paying it out monthly, Chairman uh, Neal? It's because you know what we know. If you pay it out in one shot, the money will be spent in one shot. That's why. It's like when you take a look at a, at a, at a paycheck and you see oh, Social Security and Medicare, this one and that one. I don't even know what that is. It's little bits each and every paycheck. If you took that all out at the end of the year, the people would actually riot. That's why you take it out by the month. And that's why you're doling it out by the month. You have absolutely no guarantee of where these dollars are going to go. Oh, I'm not saying that people are going to spend it uh, improperly. I am just saying when we gave out money regarding Hurricane Katrina, the majority of it got spent in strip clubs. That's all I'm saying. I'm utilizing the data. Notice I didn't discuss where they spent the money, just that in Finland, they felt better. They felt better. Well, sure, they, someone was handing I don't care who you are. Someone hands you $634, you're going to say thank you. And then you're going to turn to your kids and be like, who wants an Xbox? Some people say $634, Johnny's getting braces. Some people say $634, there's the rent. Except now there's the whole move to cancel rent outside of my studios. On a place called Monument Circle, Indianapolis, they had a rally today. They had a rally today in Indiana about rent. Right, Producer Ari? You saw him out there. Yeah, I was in front of the state house, right? And so this was all about uh, a vote that's coming up, and whether or not they're going to override a veto from from Governor Holcomb, right? That's what we're that's what we're looking at. Sorry, he doesn't know. Oh, you're asking me? Yes, that appears oh. to be it. I was I was I was asking you. So this is um, all about, uh, about landlords and, and the relationship between tenants and, and, and landlords and, and the city of, of, of Indianapolis. But we're also seeing people saying, no, no, cancel rent. No one should have to pay rent. Coronavirus, no one should pay rent. How does that work? How does that work that no one should pay rent? What kind of society says no one should pay rent. I'll tell you this much, if I had to if I didn't have to pay my mortgage, I'd be more relaxed too. I'd be much more relaxed if I didn't have to pay my mortgage. But what society do you get to when this is the case? Third $3,000 a child ages 6 through 17? No matter how you look at it, this is a payoff. And that the Democrats are choosing this, going forward with this, shows you one of the, the radical pieces of their agenda. How do we continue to win? Give people more. From whom? 
from whoever we can take it from until we've taken all we can and then we'll take it from more people. And eventually the people we're giving to are the people we'll be taking from, but they'll just have to accept it. Otherwise, we'll label them as bigots too. Bad things are afoot. Elections have consequences. And these consequences, these consequences are bad for everybody. I'm Tony Katz. With everything going on, did we forget that there's an impeachment trial tomorrow? One day more, another day, another destiny. This never-ending road to Calvary. These men who seem to know my crime will surely come a second time. One day more. That's right. That'll start tomorrow. It starts in the morning. Now, we're going to cover as much of it as we possibly can. By the way, uh, th- you know that's lame as a rob, right? Listen, uh, Tony Katz today, more show tunes than any other radio show guaranteed. Tony, 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 Tony. Ah. No one else was in the room where it happened. The room where it happened. The room where it happened. No one else was in the room where it happened. The room where it happened. The room where it happened. It's just one of the promises that I bring to you. Tony Katz, great to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. He's not getting convicted, so what's the what's the argument? What's the argument? He's not going to get convicted. It doesn't matter if if, if you want to impeach him. What does it matter? Hey, baby, they don't. Because we're going to go in there, we're going to impeach the mother... <laughs> doesn't matter if you're Rashida Tlaib or not. You impeached. Conviction is something completely different. And y- you're not going to be able to do it. And why? If you don't have the votes... You need 67 votes and you are nowhere close. Nowhere close to making that happen. But I noticed that so few people are talking about it. I thought this was the most important thing in the world. Well, if it was the most important thing in the world, why did it take so many weeks for Nancy Pelosi to even get it over to the Senate? And then the Senate, they schedule it for February 9th. So, okay. Now what? How many days is this going to go on? And why would any of us trust an impeachment proceeding that's led by a guy who was totally getting it on with a Chinese spy. Yes! 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 And that was Eric Swalwell. Oh, screw you. That's a good joke right there. We know she was a Chinese spy. Christine Fang, also known as Fang Fang. We know that she was going after others in the Midwest and other places. We know that she utilized sex in order to be able to get information. Why do we somehow not think that Eric Swalwell was one of these people? Why aren't we looking at this? It would seem that somebody who is even connected to a Chinese spy wouldn't be on the House Intelligence Committee. I mean, that would seem... Elementary, my dear, two times two is four. Elementary, my dear, two times three is six. 
But here he is being an impeachment manager. So you should all feel completely and totally comfortable. As a matter of fact, I've gotten this exclusively from one of my uh, contacts in, inside uh, uh, the halls of, of Congress. Uh, this is going to be, you know, that they have the, the impeachment managers and they walk in. It's a very solemn kind of thing. But for the first time, uh, the impeachment managers uh, with, with Eric Swalwell and the rest of these Democrats, um, they're, they're going to have uh, theme music. And that's how they're going to walk right in to the Senate and go, we're gonna, we're gonna convict them, see? We're gonna convict them and it's gonna be good for the country. I don't know, I guess they talk like 1930s, 1940s gangsters for all I know. No conviction is going to take place. So we just gotta suffer through it. It's, is is the best way to explain it. That's all we have to do. And we're, we're going to do it. We're going to do it together. We are going to absolutely positively do it together. Also, I wanted to make sure that we, we were on the same page about something. And I'll let the lawsuits come. Got to tell you how little I care about it. Um, the Lincoln Project stayed quiet while knowing they had a sexual predator in their midst. The Lincoln Project, these quote-unquote Republicans who wanted to save the party, but they were really all in the grift. There were eight founders, only three of them remain. Steve Schmidt, Rick Wilson, and Reed Galen. Three punks. And they knew John Weaver was out there soliciting sex from young men and saying, I can get you this, I can do that for you, I can give you power. He was utilizing power over them to engage uh, uh, sexual favors. And George Conway knew it, and Jennifer Horn, even though she just left, knew it. I argue they all knew it. And until they proved to my satisfaction that they didn't, they, the Lincoln Project, promoted and protected a sexual predator. Anyone who works with the Lincoln Project promotes and protects sexual predators and cannot work with me. Won't have them on the show. Won't uh, allow any ads to run. None. Can't have it. To the best of my ability, I'll make sure it doesn't happen. The Lincoln Project is a grift, and they promote and protect sexual predators. I'm Tony Katz. The whole idea of lying when you don't have to doesn't make any sense to me. I may have... uh, shared this before my father used to explain to me from a a, a very young age that you know sometimes somebody will lie because it gets them something they want from you sometimes someone will screw you over because it gets them something it's the person who lies for no reason to hurt you it's the person who will screw you over for no gain of their own to hurt you that's the person you have to watch out for that's the person who you've got to watch out for. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. This takes us to a story from Powerline Blog. This is John Hinderocker. Powerline Blog is terrific. Worthy. Make sure you're reading that. And the story is about a student at the University of Minnesota. It was an Instagram story. And the story that is told is that he had a uh, 
terrifying encounter with the police. A terrifying encounter with racist police officers. Last night, after finishing up my homework and honestly wrapping up a pretty long week, I wanted to go take a walk outside. It was a little after 1.30 in the morning. Hey, you feel free. I'm not here to tell you when to walk. It's cold. It's cold. Maybe you were heading to Subway to get a tuna sandwich, right, Jesse? No? Anyway, he's returning home. He sees a police car. He's like, instinctively, a couple thoughts rush to my mind. Breathe, head up. Don't walk too fast, not too slow. Be normal. Yeah. Okay. I think a lot of people feel that way. It's like when they drive by a police car, they slow up. Yeah, I think that happens quite, quite, quite a bit. Turned the corner 5th and 12th and saw sirens going off. Immediately, squad cars pulled on all sides and cornered me where I couldn't escape or speak. This is what this guy is saying. The cop got out of his car and asked me all sorts of information. Asked me all sorts of information? Asked me for all sorts of information. But anyway, but the only thing I could think of was, what did I do wrong other than the fact that I was a brown man? Two cops were behind me, hands on their guns. I had my hands up and was struggling to find the words I always had thought I would say if I was ever in that situation. My call to action. My story won't be the first and my story will certainly not be the last, but this story can be the change and catalyst to show that enough is enough. Our community is strong to enact the changes we want to see. We have the ability to ensure, ensure our BIPOC, I know it's people of color, what is BI? What is that? Uh, our, our people of color community ne members never have to fear going out even for a walk at night. So here's the allegation that uh, is being made from this student at the University of Minnesota. They went out for a walk. Cops immediately surrounded him, started asking him questions, hands on guns. The cops were nasty. The cops were aggressive. The cops were brutalizing him. He was in fear of their life. This, this is the argument they're making. This is the argument they're making, or this guy is making. But is that what happened? Is that what happened? The answer is no, it's not. So the guy walking on the sidewalk, he's kind of out of the area, but not so much. I don't know. It's worth just checking and chatting with him or not. I mean, it's a white male. What you're hearing is a conversation between two police officers in their vehicles. They pulled up next to each other. Something going on in the area, and they're looking for a suspect. It's a white male with a dark hoodie, but he doesn't have a mask. They're looking for a white male, dark hoodie, and a mask. By the way, BIPOC stands for Black Indigenous People of Color. Thank you, Ryan, on Twitter. I appreciate that. Okay, and now we know. So they're looking for a white male. The officer then starts driving and comes across this student from the University of Minnesota. But we know from the statement from the student
that he's brown. But the cop thought he was white. What is one supposed to say to such a thing? How can one be uh, questioned and it be uh, some kind of racial thing when the police thought that the guy was white when they went to speak to him? And what did the police say? He's driving. He sees a possible suspect. The lights go on. Hey, how's it going? Just walking home. Do you think see anything occurring up today or not tonight? A couple minutes ago. They proceed to have a conversation, and in the conversation, no one's screaming and no one's yelling. It's a casual, casual conversation. The officers were mellow, they were polite. Your incident has been updated. has given me a little bit of an issue. Sorry about that. And the best was, at the end, the kid, the student, asks for a ride home. I don't know if you were able to hear the audio as I could. The police were not rude. Sorry about that. The police were not rude in any way, shape, or form. They were not aggressive in any way, shape, or form. None of those things happened. They thought they were they thought he was white because they got the description that he was looking for somebody white. Turns out he wasn't white. They asked him a couple of questions. They're like, okay, cool, you can go, man. Hey, thanks, thanks for answering. Take care. And and the, then the kid asks for a ride. You're accusing the police of being abusive and they you asked them for a ride. That's not what you do to somebody who's abusing you. Oh, by the way, can you take me home? I'm gonna post this on, on our, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Tony Katz Radio, because I want you to hear the audio. I'm sorry I'm having an issue with it. Drive me crazy. But this kid lied. He lied created an entire story about left uh, 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 about the, these racist cops for no reason other than he could for no reason other than he wanted to hurt these police officers he wanted to do them damage nothing in it for himself well that's not true tony he gets reputation capital. What's reputation capital? Well, that's what you get by showing how woke you are, and then people say, oh, you're so brave. And you build yourself a reputation, and then you can utilize that to get power and influence. I mean, that's exactly why you do it. 
Some people could call it credibility. What else, what was the reason for Jesse Smollett to invent the idea of being attacked on the streets of Chicago? It was money, right? He did it for money. So he can be, have people, um, you know, uh, feeling bad for him, and then he can get a nice contract renegotiation. That's why he did it. You can argue it was nuts, but you understand it. What did this guy do it for? Well, this guy did it so he could be woke and show everybody that he's a victim too. Because if you're not a victim in this society, how are you actually alive? <laughs> Made it up. Check out the story over at powerlineblog.com. By the way, I laugh about this kid. But making insinuations like this about police creates a very dangerous society. And a society where people less and less trust cops, because all they're going to do is hear that headline of cops aggressively question a, a brown man. And oh, here we go again. And they're never going to look for the story. The damage is already done. This kid, I'd throw him out of the University of Minnesota. Without question. I'm Fingers Malloy with the Bourbon Minute brought to you by the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast. Well, it's not bourbon, but if you're a fan of a beer with some fruit flavor and you like Yingling, your beer dreams may be coming true. According to phillyvoice.com, Yingling, which is America's oldest brewery, debuted its mango-flavored Pilsner Raging Eagle last week. The 6% ABV beer will be available year-round in 24-ounce cans of crossed Yingling's 22-state footprint. The company said more Raging Eagle pack configurations will become available later in the year. Mango and beer together at last. For more information on the beer, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash eatdrinksmoke. This was the Bourbon Minute brought to you by Eat, Drink, Smoke. It's your cigar bourbon foodie radio extravaganza. Check it out on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast platform eat drink smoke representative Cori bush needs to have her committee assignment stripped tony katz great to be with you tony katz today 833 got tony 833-468-8669 this is the story of a riot that took place at a jail in st louis and the jail, you know, tall building and round downtown, and it's like the third time it's happened in a month, so I'm not 100% sure what's going on in the jail, and I don't think that we should discount that, right? Is there something happening? Is there something going on? Something that needs to be fixed? Something that needs to be addressed? Uh, let, let us go address that immediately, if not sooner. I think that people who are in jail or have committed a crime, uh, they're, they're doing their time. I don't think they should be treated with any level of barbarism. But they, in, in this riot, they took mattresses, set them on fire, and threw them out the window to the ground below, to the street below. And, and they did so with, a, with a, an exercise bike. I mean, they threw an exercise bike onto the street. They could have killed somebody when they did it. And there's photos of them. In, in, in the windows, the windows are all broken out and there they are and they've got signs and, and, and everything else. This happened. Representative Cori Bush, who represents that district, she is a freshman uh, 
member of Congress tweeted out that the riot is the language of the unheard. Now let's go back and do a little bit of history here. It is Cori Bush who on January 6th tweeted out, I am in the Capitol, I'm safe, and my team and I are sheltering in place. This, of course, is the Capitol riot. The President of the United States has incited a riot that has now stormed the Capitol. There are rioters roaming the halls of the Capitol. I saw them with my own eyes. Our country deserves better. So it seems very clear that on January 6th, Cori Bush opposed rioting. On January 8th, Cori Bush, she wrote on Twitter, expel the Republican members of Congress who incited the white supremacist attempted coup. So it's more than just a riot, riots or coups, right? It's about, I, I don't know what their plan was, uh, neither here nor there. Uh, she is opposed to rioting. She's opposed to this. But on February 6th, she was, because of what you saw in St. Louis and what happened in this prison, now she's saying, a riot is the language of the unheard. It's a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King. She continues, I want to talk to my constituents in the window, which she's talking about the prisoners who were there and the photo was taken of them in these broken out windows. Their lives and their rights must be protected. My team and I are working to ensure that the urgent needs of people who are incarcerated are not ignored. So let's break this down into its two pieces. Number one, Dr. Martin Luther King did indeed say a riot is the language of the unheard. If we were to take this as what he only said, that would be a mistake because he followed it up in two different speeches, including one two weeks before he was assassinated, by saying that while this may be true, it is still not the most effective way to get your message out. I believe in militant nonviolence. He opposed the idea of the riot, but that's neither here nor there, that she completely misrepresented Martin Luther King, which is a despicable thing to do. Now, all of a sudden, riots are noble? Now, riots are decent? Now, riots are okay, according to Cori Bush. 